Praise God. I'd like to welcome everyone tonight, particularly our guests. If you're a guest tonight, we welcome you as a part of this service. Pray that you have been and will be blessed by it in Jesus' name. If you're watching us online, wherever you're joining us from tonight, we welcome you. Pray that you are blessed by it as well in Jesus' name. Brother Owens, good to see you tonight. Good to have you. Thanks for being with us. Praise God. Amen. I'd like to start off slightly different than the norm, at least the norm for me. So you may be seated. No response. All units stand by for a tone. Right here. This is the final call for Deputy Heath Gum, 1215. Deputy Heath Gum was fatally shot on January 24th, 2018, while answering the call for duty. He gave up himself while serving his community with courage and valor. The men and women of Adams County Sheriff's Office are forever grateful and proud to have served with Deputy Gum and will never forget his ultimate sacrifice. All units break for a moment of silence. Deputy Heath Gum, may you rest in peace, knowing that your strength and legacy lives on in your wife and family, and that your honor will continue on with all of us. 1215, you are cleared to end of watch. Thank you for your service. Rest easy, sir. We have the watch from here. 1215 is end of watch for the final time. ACSO call sign 1215 and badge number 381 is hereby retired. Dispatch is clear. I have a question to this congregation tonight. Do we have the watch? Do we have the watch? Joshua chapter 2, beginning with verse number 6. You can remain seated. And when Joshua had let the people go, the children of Israel went every man unto the inherit, unto his inheritance to possess the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. And all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. The people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that had outlived the flood. I'm in Judges chapter 2 verse number 8. And Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being an hundred and ten years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in timnath Herez, in the mount of Ephraim on the north side of the hill Gash. And also that generation were gathered unto their fathers. What generation is that? That's the generation that was with Joshua. That's the generation that had come through and survived the wilderness and had entered in to the promised land to possess the land of promise. That generation was gathered unto their fathers and there arose another generation after them. There arose another generation after the generation that had crossed the Jordan River and entered the land of promise. We're not talking about historical things here. We weren't talking about something that they were 
There were stories, Brother Middleton, that had been passed to them generation after generation. The generation that saw the promise of entering the promised land fulfilled, the next generation after them arose, and in what is my opinion, one of the most troubling, saddest verses in all of Scripture, that generation knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which He had done for Israel. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods of the gods of the people that were round about them and bowed themselves unto the, unto them and provoked the Lord to, ang- to anger. I guess it happens to fall my lot quite often that we have a wonderful move of the presence of the Holy Ghost in a service and I get to get up and be the wet blanket. So here I've come tonight to be the wet blanket on another great move of the Holy Ghost. And at the concluding days of this fast, and as I believe we are about to step into some great things that God has for us, I've come to ask the question tonight, do we have the watch? I preached it and I will continue to preach it. We need the previous generation. I'm not here tonight to push anybody off the scene. I've tried to be very clear in my years of leadership to declare that I believe we need the previous generation, that we don't just replace them. So that being said, I'd like to ask the question tonight, though. I wonder if the generation before us can have the confidence that we have got the watch. Thank you for your service and thank you for the investment you have made in the kingdom. And we don't want you to worry that what you have invested is in vain. But there is another generation that rather than arising and knowing not God and the works of God, there is a generation that will arise up and say, we have got the watch. But to have the watch, and for them, Brother Bishop, men like you and women like Sister Bishop and several others that are here tonight that I could call your names and maybe before I'm done, I will. But if I don't, please don't be offended that I haven't called your name. I realize you're here. But I believe tonight that for people like them to be comfortable that we've got the watch, they've got to know that we've got the same Passion and burden and zeal and dedication and commitment to what they had. Because they can't entrust us to take the next watch if we're not willing to live the same way they live. Come to challenge this congregation tonight. One of the things I feel to challenge us in the Holy Ghost is to remind us we are not here for our own benefit. We are not here just to have what we've had tonight so that we can go home thankful that I got something from the Lord. We are not here tonight so that we can have a good church service, get uplifted and encouraged so that we can face the coming week. That is not why we are here. Yes, God desires to touch us and bless us and help us. But as I taught Thursday night, not that I really got to it, we're not here for our sake. We're here for somebody else's sake. One one generation. One generation one generation away you see we've got a previous generation that's still here we've got people here tonight 
that were on Windsor Avenue when it reached the point that if you came in late, you did not get to sit in the back of the sanctuary. That if you came in late, the only seats remaining were on the platform. Those that were there, am I not telling the truth? I hear a couple of amens. We can't even fill the front row up. But you didn't even get the front row. They took you to the platform. There are people here tonight that were there when that building got too small for what God was doing. I was there. I was one of the ones that at least for a season of time... Our classroom for Sunday school was a bus that was parked in the driveway outside the building because there were no classrooms for Sunday school. There's people here tonight that were on Hilltop Lane at the YMCA when hundreds and hundreds and hundreds received the baptism of the Holy Ghost in just a matter of weeks. There's people in this place tonight that were a few miles up the highway at the warehouse when over a course of weeks thousands of people received the Holy Ghost. We're not talking about what we got to go read in a history book somewhere. We're not talking about what we've got to go to the library and check out the encyclopedia to read. I'm not talking about Azusa Street that happened a hundred plus years ago. And we're just recounting the stories of what was there. But in this place tonight, there are men and women that can give first hand accounts of what God did those days in those places. And so I've come tonight with a challenge to this congregation that one generation away don't let it be said of us that we became a generation that did not know God nor the works of God. I've been preaching faith and great things the last couple of weeks so I You see, part of our problem is we want what you all had. But we're in the Amazon age. We're in the eBay age. Brother Bishop, we want the harvest of the YMCA. But we just want it for a lot cheaper price. We want it. Oh, we want what God did there. We don't want to pay the same price they played. We don't want to pay the same price because they were adding times to get together. We're trying to eliminate times we get together. Oh, Jesus. We make a miracle worker. You see, I pray tonight that something along these lines would happen to us afresh and anew. Acts chapter 16 and verse number 6. Now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia, and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. That's a crazy concept right there, isn't it? Most of us have to get God to kick us out the door to preach. They had to be forbidden. I mean, God's got to tear our world upside down to get us to accept a call. They were forbidden to preach. After they were come to Mycenae, they essayed to go into Bithynia. They tried, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. (laughs) Oh God, get us to the place where the Holy Ghost is having to rein us in. Oh, get us to the place where the Holy Ghost is having to hold us back. 
not having to get us inspired and motivated, not trying to light a fire under us to get us to move, but God's having to say, oh, whoa, boy. Bring it back in, but you're raring to go. You're, 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 you're ready to do something, but the Spirit is saying, no, 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 hold on. And they passing by Mycenae came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. We tried to go some other places and God held us back. But we're kind of certain that we have now gotten a call and God is sending us so we are ready to go. I pray that somehow we prayed it a couple of times in a couple of different ways in prayer meetings over the last week. But I pray once again tonight that God would somehow open the ears of this congregation of every individual in this congregation that we can hear the cry of those that are lost and those that are perishing that God would give us ears to hear the hurting as they are crying out rather than us trying to have to organize and motivate to reach the lost that somehow our ears would be open and like Paul heard the cry of the man from Macedonia that we would hear the cry of souls we're not here for us we're not here for us aren't you glad that at some point in time somebody wasn't just there for themselves Aren't you glad that at some point in time, somebody heard the cry of your brokenness. Somebody heard the cry of your desperation and responded to what they heard. Listen to numerous times, a couple of these I think are parallel passages in different gospels, but I'll read them anyway. Matthew chapter 9, verse number 37. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into the harvest. I meant to read 36. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Matthew 14 and 13, when Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert and a desert place apart. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them. And he healed their sick. He was moved with compassion toward them. He was not moved with compassion and stayed complacent. He was not moved with compassion and sat stationary. But there was a compassion that moved him towards them. God opened the eyes of Antioch Central afresh and anew to not only see the multitudes, but then to be moved with compassion toward the multitudes.
Matthew 15, 32, Then Jesus called His disciples unto Him and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they continue with Me now three days and have nothing to eat, and I will not send them away fasting lest they faint in the way. Matthew 20 and verse number 34, So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. Mark 1 verse 40, And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion. And Jesus moved with compassion. Put forth his hand, and touched him, and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. Do you understand what happened here? Do you get the picture of what took place? Everybody else that encountered a leper, that leper cries out, unclean, unclean. And when they hear the cry of the leper saying unclean, they get on the other side of the street. They make sure there's distance between them. They make sure there's no contact because they don't want to be infected and receive what the leper has. But Jesus... When moved with compassion, instead of trying to get away from them, He reaches out and touches them. We are living in a world that is more disconnected than it's ever been before. You cannot relate, replace human interaction with technological interaction. I don't care how many Facebook friends and how much Facebook fam you got. It's not the same as human personal interaction. I don't care how many people you text all day long. It's not the same. There's something inside that God put within us that we need face-to-face communication and we need a personal touch and we've got a world today that is desperate they're broken they're wounded and they need to be touched taught it thursday night jesus says i don't pray father that you take them out of the world well i was born i need to call you, catch you after church, email you something, but I, I talked to Brother Suey. Brother Suey, I found out, is the one who does the celebrate recovery stuff that Brother Gleason was telling me about, and, and I got on the phone with him two days ago, and really I was expecting about a two or three minute conversation with a little bit of details. Daniel was sitting in the car, he can be my witness. I was trying to be polite and sort of kept trying to get an end to the conversation just because I I wasn't expecting a whole lot of time. But Sister Middleton, he got to talking about the ministry they do with Celebrate Recovery. And Brother Osborne, he was talking about all the people that come. And and he said, he said, there's people, Brother Wright, that come that I wouldn't normally associate with. And I wouldn't normally connect with. They're broken. They're desperate. They come. And God touches them and they receive and they feel something. He says, it'll blow your mind, Brother Wright, because if you do it, they'll come. Oh, God, would to God we would reach the point that we don't have to organize more outreach and we don't have to organize more evangelism and we don't have to try to motivate people to take seed cards and motivate people to take door hangers and put them out to fulfill some kind of religious obligation or duty. But would to God we would get an ear to hear the cry of those that are hurting and we would get the same sensitivity that Jesus had to be moved with compassion on the multitude. touched him and he said I will be thou clean Mark 6 34 
And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Luke 7 and 12. Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother. And she was a widow, and much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he was com- he had compassion on her. Oh God, I pray tonight that in the name of Jesus Christ, like never before, you would move this congregation with compassion. I pray, God, that you would revive and renew within this congregation compassion. Compassion for those that are broken. Compassion for those that are hurting. Compassion for those that are wandering aimlessly. Compassion for those that are hopeless. And that it would be the kind of compassion that would not allow us to sit complacent and just observe them. But that there would be the kind of compassion that would Drive us toward them. Familiar verse in the verses I'm about to read. Bishop used them many times in call to war, spiritual warfare. Psalm 79 verse 9, Help us, O God of our salvation, for the glory of Thy name, and deliver us and purge away our sins for Thy name's sake. Wherefore should the heathen say, Where is their God? Let Him be known among the heathen in our sight by the revenging of the blood of Thy servants which is shed. And here it is, verse 11, Let the sighing of the prisoner come before Thee according to the greatness of Thy power. Preserve Thou those that are appointed to die we have prayed this verse many times in spiritual warfare we've prayed it at call to war oh God we're asking you to let the sighing of the prisoner come before you and according to your great power preserve those that are appointed to die but I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday night if I'm not mistaken this past week the prayer I felt led for us to pray was not oh God let the sighing of the prisoner come before you But God, let the sighing of the prisoner come before us. Let the sighing of the prisoner come before us, God. We know you can hear it, but I'm asking you to let us hear it. Not let us sit in our comfortable complacency and not be at ease in Zion. We're not supposed to be at ease in Zion. But God, let us hear the sighing of the prisoner. Paul says this in Acts 20 verse 22. I'm going to read it in the Amplified Bible. Instead of the King James to save a little bit of time. And now you see, I am going to Jerusalem. Bound. Bound. I presume, Brother Middleton, for us to have the next watch, and you and others in your category, for us to be, for you to be comfortable that we've got the next watch, you've got to know we are bound. By the Spirit. Bound by the Spirit. I'm not doing this as an extracurricular activity. I'm not doing this as something that I can conveniently fit into my life. I'm not doing this as something that will work in my calendar. But I am bound by the Spirit. I am compelled to go. No, not against my will. Because God doesn't violate my will. But I have surrendered so much to God that I can't get loose from what God wants. Here's what's crazy to me. He says, I go bound by the Holy Spirit and obligated and compelled by the convictions of my own spirit, not knowing what will befall me there. I, I got to be honest with you. I don't really under, I, I know the Bible's true and, and, and it's all accurate. And I, I, but I, there's some things, and this is one of them that puzzle me a little bit because Paul says <coughs> in verse 22, I'm compelled to go and I don't know what's going to be there. But then in the very next verse, he says this, except. Here's actually what I do know. 
The Holy Spirit clearly and emphatically confirms to me, affirms to me in city after city that imprisonment and suffering await me. Go bound in the Spirit, not bound with a rhema for great things to happen. Not bound in the Spirit for all kinds of good stuff to take place. But I go bound in the Spirit and I don't know what's going to happen there. But then he turns around and actually the Holy Ghost has confirmed something in me. Every city I go to, I'm going to get thrown in jail. Every city I go to, I'm going to face adversity. Every city I go to, I'm going to face opposition. How sad is it that you and I, and please hear me, I include myself. How sad is it that we are so intimidated to tell somebody about Jesus because they might reject us or they might mock us? When the Apostle Paul and others in his situation, it wasn't just a matter of being rejected by an individual who wouldn't hear or believe what you had to say. But he says, I'm going to face imprisonment. But I'm bound. I can't get out of it. I can't get free from what is driving me. But none of these things move me. Neither do I esteem my life dear to myself. If I, if only I may finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have obtained from which was entrusted to me by the Lord Jesus faithfully to attest to the good news, gospel of God's grace, His unmerited favor, spiritual blessing and mercy. Living Bible, verse 22, and now I am going to Jerusalem, drawn there, irresistible by the Holy Spirit, not knowing what awaits me except that the Holy Spirit has told me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead, but life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. Life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. Jesus. Life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. Life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. In case somebody hasn't heard me yet, life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. I don't care how many degrees you get behind your name. Life is worth nothing unless you use it for doing the work assigned you by the Lord Jesus. I don't care what position you get in what Fortune 500 company. Life is worth nothing unless you use it for doing the work assigned you by the Lord Jesus. I don't care how much money you end up in your bank account with. And if you become one of the top richest people in the world, life is worth nothing unless you use it for doing the work assigned by the Lord Jesus. I don't care what prestigious neighborhood you live in, in Anne Arundel County or some other part of Maryland. Life is worth nothing unless you use it for doing the work assigned by the Lord Jesus. The work, here's what he says the work is. The work of telling others the good news about God's mighty kindness and love. I don't know. I sure hope. I got a feeling it's not supposed to be anything to do with the role, the office that I have. I beg of you. I hope I can say this and you hear me in the right spirit and take it in the right context. But sometimes I get a little bit weary because it just doesn't seem to ever turn off. I walked into, I ran into to uh, Models the other day, I was, it was something I was thinking about trying to grab for someone, and I wanted to see if they had it, and I went in, they didn't have it, and I needed to pick up some new racquetballs, and so I went ahead and grabbed that, and, 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 and I'm standing there at the checkout, and the guy that's young guy, he's probably 17, 18, 19 years old, checking me out, and I just wonder if this guy really knows Jesus. I wonder what the heartache and the pain 
of this life. No, I can't tell you that every single person that happened, I'm telling them. But I, but, but I, I actually, ultimately, God, I don't want that turned off. In fact, I want that increased. Because the bottom line for all of us, whatever we're called to do, whatever specific ministry we have, we all have the work of telling others the good news about God's mighty kindness and love. The hope that is in Christ alone. The deliverance that is in Christ alone. The salvation that is in no other name. He was moved. God wasn't, Jesus wasn't moved with judgment. He wasn't moved moved with a sense of disdain for what He saw in the multitude because of how they were living. But every multitude He encountered, every individual He encountered, He was moved with compassion. 1 Corinthians chapter number 5, verse number 8. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent we may be accepted of Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. For we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that you may have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearance and not in heart. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God. Or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. And here it is. For the love of Christ. For the love of Christ constraineth us. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And if one, if one died for all and all were dead, then one died for all that all that are dead might be able to live again. And so the love of Christ constrains us. You know what? I go home every day that I'm in town. I go home bound. I go home every day bound. Every single day I'm going home bound. Bound by a love. For the love of my life. That only increases. I am compelled. Not like I preached this morning. For my safety. I am compelled by my own desire and my own love. I am bound to go home. But it's a bondage I won't give up for anything. It's a bondage I'm not willing to trade. Oh God, tonight somehow in this congregation, I pray if not everybody, at least God, let there be a handful of people that are willing from this night forward to go bound. I'm not looking for my liberty and my freedom to live life as I want to live it, do what I want to do. But I'm going bound by compassion, bound by the cry that I hear. Go bound. I go bound. I go bound. Don't, 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 don't mishear me. Because I have no feeling in my spirit. I have no inclination that we're going to do this. I have no feeling that we're about to do this. I, I really don't. I, I really have no, I'm, I'm not saying never because some of you know just about the time you say never is when God says, oh, oh really? Oh really? Never? <laughs> we'll see. Let me, let me just remind us tonight about those that have had the watch around here. Let me just remind a few of us tonight about those that have kept the watch before. 
that for months, not a weekend or two, not a weekend or two, Sister Middleton, but for some several times, months at a time, we'd go to church Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday morning, and Sunday night. There was one of those places on one of those seasons that it wasn't a building that you were able just to walk into, turn some lights on, turn some sound on, turn instruments on, and it's time to have church. But every single week, if I remember correctly, Thursday and Friday at least, you set up and you took down. Were you able to leave it up Saturday night for Sundays? Yes, some say. Five, six hundred chairs, a platform, a portable platform, an organ, not a keyboard. That days it wasn't a keyboard. It was an organ. That Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, two times. Three times having to fully set up and take down. And they kept the watch. But I just got to be honest. Y'all, I, I, again, I'm going to say it again. I'm not pushing anybody out of the way tonight. I've preached it before. I don't intend to preach it tonight, but maybe I will end up by the time it's done. I better not say never. But there's a point in a relay race where the baton is passed that the two runners both have their hands on the baton at the same time. So I'm not pushing anybody out of the way tonight. But I've just come to ask the question tonight, is the watch in good hands? I wonder, Brother Gross, if we can say to men like you and women like Sister Middleton and other women here, to, men and women tonight, you can rest in peace. We got the watch. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if a few of you are a little bit hesitant because you got a little bit of sense of what some of us are trying to do today. We, we want to we regiment God in. We want to get God in a little box. We want God to do everything He did for you as long as. I don't think we can stand here tonight and tell the generation before us, rest in peace, we got the watch. If they don't know and have the assurance, we're willing to keep the watch the same way they kept the watch. Now don't, don't get me wrong, based on the last two plus weeks, whatever it is now, I guess two plus weeks of prayer meetings and the response we've had to prayer meetings and the turnout we've had in prayer meetings, I feel very encouraged. Please, I I really, I feel very encouraged. But that doesn't change the fact that every now and then we still got to be challenged to make sure, are we willing, are we willing to do what the Apostle Paul said and to present our bodies as a living sacrifice? We seem like we've reached this point for a while where we have to, we have to, man, we have to push and motivate and coddle and try to get people to do something. I, I wish this spirit would rest upon us as well. Second Samuel chapter 23, verse number 13. And three of the thirty chief went down and came to David in the harvest time, unto the cave of Adullam. And the troop of the Philistines pitched in the valley of Repham. And David was then in an hold, and the garrison of the Philistine was then in Bethlehem. They're surrounded by the Philistine army. They're surrounded by the Philistine army. And David simply acknowledges that he longed and said, Oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. If he would have known what was going to happen, he would have never said what he said. 
he simply let out a sigh, when he simply let out a groan. Anybody ever let out a thought that you really weren't expecting anybody to do anything? It was just, it was just an expression. Oh, it kind of be nice. You, you didn't really think anybody, you know. Oh, it'd be really nice if one of the kids would do the dishes. Oh, oh, it'd be nice if you, you say that in many situations. Oh, it'd be nice if my boss would tell me I could just stay home and rest today. Oh, you're not expecting anything in return. And David says, "Man, if I could just, if I could just have a drink of water from the well of." From the well of Bethlehem. Uh, Hold on, let's go back to verse 14. The Philistine, the garrison of the Philistine was in Bethlehem. They were in Bethlehem. And David said, just a drink of water from the well. And three mighty men. And three mighty men. Without a command. Without a command. Without an instruction, just a longing. Three mighty men broke through the host of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink thereof, but poured it out unto the Lord. He said, Be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is not this the blood of the men that went into jeopardy of their lives? Therefore he would not drink it. These things did these three mighty men. Not because of a command, but because the sigh, the longing of the king. Oh God, I pray let there be some mighty men in this place tonight that it doesn't take a command from you. It doesn't take you driving us, but all you've got to do is express your longings. All you've got to do is express your desires and there would be some men and some women that would rise up and say I don't care what the risk is I don't care how difficult it is God if that's what you're interested I don't need you to force me I don't need you to make me I'm going to go if that's what you want I, 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 I sort of, I think I got a little bit more here in my notes to preach, but I, I don't really think I'm going to go beyond this point. I got, I got an appeal tonight. I got an appeal tonight. I wonder if there's anybody here tonight that's willing to join with me and say to those that have come before us, when it comes time for you to rest in peace, you can rest in peace and know that we've got to watch. You can know we're not going to be a generation that forgets all about what God did for you and what God did through you and neglect it and lose it. But you can be assured we've got to watch. Oh, is there any, are there any millennials? Are there any under 50s here tonight that are willing to join with me and do what Paul
Paul did and make yourself available and surrendered. I will go bound in the Spirit. I will go bound in the Spirit. There might be adversity. There might be obstacles that wait me. There might be challenges and difficulties that lie ahead of me. There may be sacrifices that I may have to make. There may be things that I have to give up. But none of these things move me. Ikaramandaya, Ikayaramandaya, Ikaramandaya, I pray tonight, God, that another generation would be able to respond and say, We got the watch. We got the watch. We're not just going to hold on and preserve for ourselves until the end, but we've got the watch. And we're going to be moved with compassion. We're going to be driven by those that are desperate and hungry and hurting. I pray God that there would be some mighty men like David's mighty men that would rise up in this place tonight. Let there be some mighty men like David's mighty men that they don't need. They're not waiting on a command. They're not waiting to be forced to do something. They don't even have to be told. But they hear your sigh. They hear your request. They hear your desire. And are moved to do whatever it takes to fulfill that desire. No matter what the potential cost may be. There are some that are already doing it. And I appreciate it. And I'd like to invite some more of you. I'd like to invite some more of you that have had the watch before to lay hands on some of these younger ones, to impart something into some of these younger ones tonight. I want to say it again. My message tonight is not implying to anybody that you're done. I'm not here tonight implying to anybody that you're finished. That's not my point tonight. I think you know that, but I just got to reaffirm it. What I am saying tonight is we've got to make sure that when you are finished running your race, when you're finished with your course, that there's going to be somebody else that's got the watch. God, God, let us go from this place tonight bound in the Spirit. God, let us go from this place tonight bound in the Spirit. Let us go from this place tonight, God, bound in the Spirit. Ah, don't ever let it be said of us like was said of the generation after Joshua Lord that that generation arose and didn't know you and didn't know your works 
God, whatever you've got to do, don't let that ever be said of us. Uh, My life is not my own. To you I belong. My life is not my own. To you I belong. My life is not my own. To you I belong. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, God, our lives are not worth living if we're not living them for the purpose that you created us for. Our lives are not worth living if we're not living them for the purpose you created us for, God. Our lives are not worth living unless we're living them for the purpose that you created us for, God. Ramaya, 
Si la baia rondolo lo mocorri alla la mando robossi. I la maia rata la macorondo bosse e alla la massataia. E aramaia condo robossi a rata maia andolo bosse. Io lo mori alla la macaia rondo bosse. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Ayala mando robocose, ila mando robocose, ila la bahaya, ila mando robocose, ila la bahaya. Elamando roboko ye alarabosataya. Ikaramando robose. Ilamondo ramanda la bokore ye ti alarabakaya.